from 90.3 RLC WVPH FM Piscataway. It's the core news for the week of Monday, April 18th. Well, this year March came in like a lion, and it kind of still went out like a lion. But we are getting a few nice days here and there, so I hope you're enjoying the weather. And also, if you stay tuned, you can enjoy some news. We've got for you the WikiLeak of the Week. Some environmental eco-news. You'll hear from the two candidates for president in this week's Russo elections. We'll talk with Mary D. Duke, editor-in-chief of the Daily Targum here at Rutgers, about some hot topics, including last week's Rutgers Fest. You'll hear from DJ Calamari about comics and gaming, and of course, hear a little new music news. But first, as always... Here's Amy Bronstein with the war update on Iraq and Afghanistan. In Iraq, an enclave of Iranian exiles in Camp Ashraf was attacked by the Iraqi army on Friday, April 8th. Dwelling in the camp were members of the People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran, which is listed as a terrorist organization by the United States, Iraq, and Iran. In 2009, Mujahideen members in Camp Ashraf agreed to lay down their arms in exchange for U.S. protection. However, security responsibilities were handed over to the Iraqi government following the end of the U.S. combat mission in August of 2010. Bush-era GOP officials have praised the Mujahideen for providing invaluable intelligence on Iran's religious government. The Iranian Mujahideen complained that they had warred the U.S. and the U.N. in the hours before the Iraqi army opened fire on the camp. The U.N. and exiles claim that 34 people were killed and 318 wounded in the attack and have called for an investigation into the raid. Al-Maliki's government, which has been closer diplomatically with counterparts in Iran than Saddam Hussein had been, has given the camp of 3,400 exiles until the end of the year to leave the country. In Afghanistan on Wednesday, April 13th, a suicide bomber attacked a meeting of tribal elders in the Asmar district of the eastern Kunar province. The attack killed 11, including five schoolchildren and one of the most senior elders, Haji Malik Zarin, who was in the region who was known in the region for fighting the Russian occupation in the 80s. The Taliban, which usually claims similar attacks, denied responsibility for the bombing. On Friday, April 15th, a suicide bomber evaded tight security at police headquarters in Kandahar to kill the city's police chief and two other police officers. The attacker went in undetected in a police officer's uniform and waited until police chief General Khan Mohammed Mujahid emerged from his office to detonate. General Mohammed Mujahid is at least the third police chief in Kandahar to be assassinated since 2005. On Saturday, April 16th, a Taliban suicide bomber killed five NATO and four Afghan soldiers at forward operating base Gambari in eastern Afghanistan. This was the second time in as many days that an attacker used a military uniform to infiltrate a target. The Taliban took responsibility for the attack and said this was the beginning of a fighting season that will focus on infiltrating Afghan and NATO security forces. I'm Amy Bronstein with a Core News War Update. Hi, this is Sean Bones, and we're listening to the news on 90.3 The Core. And now for your WikiLeak of the Week. Reuters reported that United States versus Chinese cyber espionage has resulted in terabytes of information being stolen from usernames and passwords for State Department computers to designs for multi-billion dollar weapons systems. 
Systems breaches, referred to as Byzantine Hades hacks, were traced by the U.S. military to the First Technical Reconnaissance Bureau, a cyber espionage unit in China's People's Liberation Army, according to a leaked cable dated April 2009. Traces on the sites involved in cyber infiltration were linked by the U.S. military to Chengdu, capital of the Sichuan province. Leaked cables outline senior U.S. officials' concerns about the effectiveness and sheer quantity of cyber attacks, which have increased 650% between 2006 and 2010. On April 5th, Heather Hodges, American ambassador to Ecuador, was expelled from that country over WikiLeaks cables. Ecuador's President Correa was angered over allegations in the cables that he was aware of supposed acts of corruption by members of the police leadership. And more specifically, the former commander of the institution, Jaime Hurtado Vaca. Ambassador Hodges went so far as to recommend former Commander Vaca be stripped of his U.S. visa. I'm Amy Bronstein with your Core News WikiLeak of the Week. This is MC Lars, and you're listening to the Core News. Did I say that right? This is Dana with your 90.3 The Core Eco Environmental News Update. So I do have news about hydraulic fracturing. The New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman said he'll sue the federal body that oversees the Delaware River Basin Commission if they don't conduct a full environmental assessment on hydrofracking. You know what that is, right? Where they drill the earth with water, unknown chemicals, and sand, and fracture the shale so they can get the natural gas out, causing、uh, environmental issues along the way. Okay, so while in New Jersey, New Jersey Senate Bill Senate Number Two Five Seven Six, sponsored by Senators Robert M. Gordon, Linda R. Greenstein, and Christopher Bateman, will, if passed, prohibit hydraulic fracturing in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Now you know this. This weekend, Earth Day is Saturday, April twenty third. Here are a few things going on in New Jersey you might be interested in. The New Jersey Botanical and Skyland Association will host an Earth Day cleanup at the New Jersey State Botanical Garden in Ringwood on Saturday, April twenty-third, from one p.m. to four p.m. There are cuts in state funding for the park system, and your help is needed more than ever. Volunteers will work with master gardeners. You need no special skills; learn from a master. Bring gloves and clippers only if you have them. Bigger tools and water will be provided. If it rains all day, the cleanup day will be canceled. The New Jersey State Botanical Gardens at Skyland is open from eight a.m. to 8 p.m. every day of the year. Admission to the garden is always free. More info is at njbg.org. Also, on April 23rd, there will be an electric delivery truck on display in Highlands, New Jersey, at Huddy Park for Earth Day. Beach Sweep is April 30th. This is close to my heart. To volunteer to clean up a New Jersey beach that day, go to cleanoceanaction.org. Piscataway cleanup is April thirtieth too. Join the Piscataway clean team. Rain date is Sunday, May first. You can make a difference. You can go to piscatawaynj.org/community-wide.cleanup. And for Mother Earth's sake, do your part every day to contribute to the good of the Earth, and you will get that good feeling inside. You are part of the solution. And that's it for the ninety point three The Core Eco Environmental News Update. This is the Core News on ninety point three The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. This week, on Wednesday and Thursday, Rusa, the Rutgers University Student Assembly, will be holding its annual elections. That's Wednesday and Thursday, the twentieth and twenty-first. 
Sarah Morrison spoke to the two Rusa presidential candidates, Matt Cordero and Ross Kleinman. My name is Matthew Cordero. I'm a junior. I'm in the Planning and Public Policy School. My name is Ross Kleiman. I'm a junior in the Biomedical Engineering Program here at Rutgers. And they are both running for president of the Rutgers University Student Assembly. Cordero and Kleiman both have extensive experience in RUSA. They have both served in various leadership positions at Rutgers. And now they are turning to you, the Rutgers University student voter, for help. Whether the issue be tuition or textbooks, both candidates have a strong drive to help the university and are going head-to-head in the second school-wide election for RUSA president. I sat down with the candidates to talk about their upcoming election and to hear what they have to say firsthand. First, we'll hear from Matthew Cordero. I came in through Rutgers. I was actually very, very fortunate to come through the social justice living and learning community, and that was an, an awesome experience. And, and then since then, um, I've been involved in a lot of things advocating on, on behalf of students. Currently, I'm the vice president of the Rutgers University Student Assembly, and this year we've had a really fantastic year. We helped found what is now um, New Jersey United Students, which is a uh, statewide student association. Uh, we, had, we, had, we had the great event, the Walk in Action, a whole bunch of people came out. I've just been, been going around trying to really do what I can for the rest of the, of the student body. So this year, what I really want to do if I become president is really can continue working with the statewide. Because um, it's gotten like really, really positive attention. We've already met with 27 legislators. Another big thing that I want to continue is that we worked with the Take Back the uh, Tap campaign and we helped get install um, filtered uh, water stations here on, on campus and that's great and it really helps change you know habits and we've been giving out some of those metal water bottles. And on the first 12 hours of the first installation over Warbelin with the water fill station, it got over 800 uses. So I'm so really trying to work on the whole environmental aspect, which is really important to a lot of students. R- really I want to do is I want to revamp the organization. I really want RUSA to be the place where all different sorts of student groups and different uh, students can like come together and really work on projects or, or campaigns together. Um, you know, if there's an issue with one student org, they should be able to bring it to RUSA and then the student org along with RUSA should be able to like, you know, combine their their resources a bit and really push for things that the student body wants. You said you want to revamp RUSA as an organization. Where does it stand now? And if you're elect, what's wrong and what would you fix? Mm-hmm. Um, so it still hasn't necessarily permeated throughout the entire student body. So it's really like the, the first thing. It really needs to be a place for students to come to. But for it to really be a, like an institution for students, it kind of has to like prove itself. Um, so what I w- want to do is expand the committee structure. Um, that's where most of the actual work gets done in RUSA and I want to expand it and also while expanding it focus it down. I want to create some dedicated subcommittees within our five large committees um, to really have a have a venue to, for students to work on very specific issues and really kind of dedicate all their time and efforts there. But while doing that if, if we really want to be a place for students we have to be a place where any student whether they're a representative or not has a place that they can plug in. Um, so hopefully with the kind of expanded and focused um, committees we can have you know if you're student and you really want to work on environmental issues or you're a student and you really want to work on like governmental issues you know exactly what committee to go to what time it it meets so you can you know find a space for your involvement in the larger organization 
Is that your main platform or is there other things that you're campaigning on and want to change if you get elected? Definitely not the main thing. Like my main thing is like working for students. I want to continue the work with the Statewide Student Association and continue the work promoting sustainability on campus. But in addition to that, I really think it's important for us to continue the work we've done with tenants' rights, um, and kind of because there's a whole bunch of student tenants out there who who live off campus, and you know some some of the landlords aren't the greatest. And then in in addition to that as well, you know, I'm also kind of campaigning under the platform of involvement. I really, really, really want to have more students get involved and have Rusa to be a place where they can work on projects that they they want to work with. Um, since, you know, RUSA isn't a typical student organization, it has a little more flexibility to really work on, like, campaigns that, that students want to work on. So, like, this year, we helped work on stuff like the DREAM Act because someone brought it to RUSA to, to, for us to work on. Um, so I want, like, almost kind of create, like, a... Uh, student-generated type of thing. So if there is 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 an issue that students want to work on, um, they have a place where they can get some some resources that's a little more flexible than your regular student organization um, and really make things happen. So I really think that's the most important thing that student government can do is be a place where things can happen and students can find ways to change either things at the university, at, in the city of New Brunswick, or even all across the state. Are you running with a ticket? And if so, can you tell me a little bit about your ticket? I'm running with the Rutgers United ticket, and it was a uh, ticket that really got going last year, um, and we ran about 30 people for uh, student government, and that was excellent because we got a really we got a good bunch of dedicated student leaders who who, who was really putting in in a tremendous amount of work. And what a ticket also what our ticket really really does is they they come from an organizing background, like they know how to really get things done, and they're an incredibly talented group of people with a wide range of backgrounds. So because we have such a, an expansive ticket, and they are so diverse, and they, and and they are so talented, we're able to pull together certain parts of the student body that really haven't even even talk to each other before, bring them together, have them, you know, combine their their talents and really make a difference. My running mate for vice president is a is a great guy by the name of Thomas Nicholas. He's a he's a student athlete. He comes from a really smart academic background and you know he's a passion that you don't find in a lot of other people and i can go through you know the the whole list but you know we have the current university affairs director Kristen clark who's a spitfire who helped put together the what's on your mind month this year we have the academic affairs chair joe weiss who you know the, those ads in the uh targum that thank the professors for putting the syllabi online she she put that together um and i, I could go through everyone it's an it's an amazing and dedicated group of people and a lot of the things that rusa has done this year with all all of its projects, people from Rutgers United have had a hand in. And we also found a whole bunch of, of new people who are dedicated, who want to get involved with Thrusa, who are really just dedicated to making a difference at the university. If there's one issue that was not addressed by Rusa this year and is something that you would address next year, what is it? And tell me about it. I really think something that students definitely care about and actually is a big thing is actually things within the university things like room booking policy things like allocations and different things that particularly the student organizations go through to you know put on their wonderful and fantastic events so i think something that would be great for rusa to maybe address more next year is to help simplify that process um to not, and to not only simplify it, but help out, you know, the allocations board, help out student life, permeating all the information about, you know, what you need to do, how you have to sign up, and you know how to go.
go appeal any any decision so you know student groups know oh hey i have to go do this to get more money or i have to go do this you know to reserve that space um it's something that people talk about all the time i people come up like hey how do i you know appeal this thing for allocations and like i I really think those two groups in particular try and do their their best but having people who are student leaders from all across the campus kind of you know help disseminating disseminate all that information would help out a lot of students and a lot of their student groups be more like successful and productive. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Elections for RUSA, the Rutgers University Student Assembly, are this Wednesday and Thursday, the 20th and 21st. Sarah Morrison spoke to the two RUSA presidential candidates. You just heard her talk with Matt Cordero. We'll hear from Ross Kleiman when the Core News returns right after this. This is the Core News on 90.3 The Core. RUSA elections are this Wednesday and Thursday, the 20th and 21st. Sarah Morrison, before the break, spoke to RUSA presidential candidate Matt Cordero. Now it's time to hear from his opponent, Ross Kleinman. I started on the Livingston Campus Council. From there, I moved on to RUSA on my second year, and I've been there since. Uh, I've stayed involved with different campus councils. I did Livingston Campus Council my sophomore year and the Engineering Governing Council my junior year. I'm also currently involved as the president of the Undergraduate Research Society here. The president of RUSA has a couple of different roles. One of the biggest roles is representing the needs of the students. So the president should have a good pulse on what students are interested in, what needs to be conveyed to the administration and to you know the state, uh, particularly in terms of funding. But it also means that we need to bring back information to the students. So it should be the job of RUSA to look out for the students, to make sure that if there's legislation coming in that is going to threaten funding for students or, or certain rights that we currently enjoy, that the president of RUSA and all the members of RUSA are, are looking out for that. The president of RUSA you know, serves as an interface. When student needs are, are presented, for example, with tuition, it's the job of the president to represent those needs to, to the administration and the, and the state at large. Um, one of the biggest roles uh, that I see RUSA having in the coming year is really putting an emphasis on getting student feedback, not just surveying students, but really sitting down with them so that they know who their representatives are. How would you do that, and how is that different from the way RUSA has run in the past? Sure. So, so RUSA has been moving in that direction, not aggressively enough in my opinion, but we made a, a good start last year and unfortunately didn't follow up as well this year uh, with a What's on Your Mind month. Last year, RUSA went out and surveyed the students and really got thousands of student feedback and compiled all of that and presented it to the administration, who then responded with a 25-page document communicating which issues they would be fixing, which ones they couldn't fix, and which ones they would fix if they did have the funding. This year, unfortunately, um, it was trimmed down to one week. There was no response from the administration. So I'd like to see next year um, a real initiative to not only have it go on during a full month's period, but also have student representatives sit down and really talk with someone. So maybe for an hour or two a week, every member of the assembly should be sitting down and talking to somebody for 15 minutes. And, you know, you, you speak to four or eight different people. And by the end of the year, you've talked to easily 100 students and really have a good pulse on what students are interested in. Okay, so when the university came out with this 25-page response, did anything actually come out of that? Library hours were extended. There were changes to the bus system. And there were easily a few other things. 
What I would like to do is take the way that the What's On Your Mind month was run last year and repeat that, but also add on to it. So let's not have it end at the end of a month. Let's have that continue throughout the entire year. But let's really focus in that first month when school starts to see what student needs are. So having that month-long initiative in the beginning really gives goals for the for the assembly. I don't want to come in and say these are the goals that we're, we're doing no matter what and this is what's happening. If there's student needs, then those should be responded to. But it shouldn't also – we should also be continuing – to listen to the students throughout the entire year. There are things that happen throughout the year that really do, that are, are time sensitive and we shouldn't only look at one small section of the, of the student needs. So do you have a platform that you're running on? So one of the biggest complaints that students often have with RUSA is that they don't know what RUSA does. I think that RUSA not only needs to be transparent in all of its actions, but there needs to be an effort for communication between students and RUSA. I think that RUSA should be communicating through the Daily Targum. The Daily Targum has an incredible amount of readers who who see that every single day. We shouldn't only be responding to questions, we should be taking the initiative and publishing commentary, letting students know what's going on, having a website that serves students and gives them features that are necessary to them, linking them to an FAQ with all the issues we've looked into. It really is a shame that over the past several years in student government there's no archive of all the all the questions that have been looked into. I think that that's an important thing, not only for communicating back to students, but also for allowing student government to improve over the years and really serve students even better and not having to start fresh every single four years. Can you tell me a little bit about your ticket, if you arranged one? So I went forward and I looked for people that I really felt had a good understanding of the position that they would be going into, and I really felt would be excellent members to be added to the ticket. So my vice president, Anthony Wigand, I've worked with him since my freshman year. Uh, Anthony has done a tremendous job. My treasurer, Scott Siegel, has been involved on the Rusa Allocations Board for this year and really has a good understanding of what it means to be a student organization. The other three members of my ticket are Gerald Witherspoon, who's a transfer student who just came here, who's got an incredible amount of passion and has really thrown himself right into student government, even though this is his first semester. Josh David, who's been involved in student government since the beginning of last year and has done a tremendous job on the Senate and currently serves as the student representative to the executive board for New Brunswick of the Senate. And Mike Alter, who is a junior as well, who is looking to get involved in student government and has a lot of passion for the position. And those three will be serving as at-large SAS senators. Is there anything that RUSA hasn't addressed this year or in previous years that you would like to address this year? One of the things that I really think makes a big difference for students every single semester is the cost of textbooks. This is actually an issue that we are currently addressing. Um, I'm currently chairing the committee on it. This is a personal initiative that I took up and something that I think is important for students. We talk a lot about tuition. The unfortunate thing with tuition is that a lot of it is out of our hands. A lot of it is state-controlled. And the other portion of it often increases because we don't want the quality of the institution that we attend to go down. But a big component of costs every single year, easily $1,000 or more per year if you're a science student or, or spending 500 or more a semester on textbooks, is, is the cost of your textbooks. You don't want to just scrape together the money for your tuition, your housing, and your meal plan, and then find out you have to spend another four, five, six, seven hundred $700 on books. So what I'm currently doing, and what I think Rusa really should focus on, is the areas of reasonable achievement. There's plenty of ways that professors can help to lower textbook prices, and that students can do the same for themselves without you know, really having to 
put in too much effort at all. Professors can be a little more frugal with the choice of the book that they get, not necessarily always get the newest edition. They can reach out to publishers and negotiate with them, as my organic chemistry professor did. And students as well can can help themselves by purchasing used books, renting. And a lot of this will sound like very obvious things to students who have been at the university for a while. But I think if we all look back and remember how we were as freshmen, we'll realize that if we were educated at that point about the different options, we wouldn't have made some of the same decisions that we did. So one of the big things I'm doing is looking to put literature in the residence halls. So when you're a freshman and you go in and you get your key for the first time, you'll also be receiving a you know pamphlet that will tell you different ways to save money on your textbook prices. Okay, so that's something that you would continue if you mm-hmm. won Rusa Chair. Oh, absolutely. And even if I did not win, I mean, one of the biggest reasons that I'm running for, actually, I would say the only reason that I'm running for the presidency of Rusa is that I believe I can make a larger impact on this university and do more for the students of the university and the capacity of Rusa Chair than I can by myself. And that's not to say that if I if I lost the presidency, I wouldn't continue to to work with administration and to push for these initiatives. But were I to win the presidency, all of my efforts would would very much be amplified. Rutgers University New Brunswick undergraduates are eligible to vote in the elections. Voting takes place Wednesday, April 20th and Thursday, April 21st. For more information on voting, visit ruassembly.com. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Sarah Morrison interviewed Matt Cordero and Ross Kleiman, the two candidates for president of RUSA, the Rutgers University Student Assembly. When The Core News comes back, we'll speak with Mary Duke of the Daily Targum, And you can stay tuned for some comics and gaming news and find out what's happening in new music. That's all coming up on The Core News, right here on 90.3 The Core. Looking for a great excuse to get your bicycle out this spring? Do you want to help the community and have fun at the same time? Reserve Sunday, May 1st, because the annual Tour de Franklin is for you. The Tour de Franklin benefits the Franklin Township Food Bank. Choose from six organized bike rides through scenic and historic Franklin Township, designed for cyclists of all levels. For more information and to register, visit www.franklinfoodbank.org or call 732-246-0009. Don't miss the Tour de Franklin, the bicycling benefit event of the season on Sunday, May 1st. This message has been brought to you by 90.3 The Core. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. And once again, we are here to talk about what's going on around Rutgers with the editor of the Daily Targum, Mary Diduke. How are you doing, Mary? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. All right, so some interesting things happened at Rutgers in the last week or so. What is the RUPD doing? Um, well, basically, the RUPD, the Rutgers University Police Department, is seeking accreditation from the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies, which is basically a national agency that sort of selects and recognizes you know, the top police agencies in the country. And there are currently 11 such agencies in the state of New Jersey. So if the RUPD PD is accredited, it will become the 12th and they're they're undergoing the process and they should hear the results in July. So what do we actually get out of having our police department be accredited? That's a good question. I think it's just like recognition that it's one of the top agencies in the state, which is important. And it's basically a sign that our police department is at the top of its game. They're doing everything that they can do to keep the campus safe. You know, sort of like how Rutgers is it's part of the um, the American Association of Universities. Yes, American Association of Universities. So it's sort of along those lines, but for police departments. And this year, the number of students at Rutgers has increased. 
Well, this is for next year, and it hasn't increased yet, but it is on the way to having a record enrollment. Um, currently, deposits are up 11% for enrollment next year as where they were last year. So at this point last year, you know, we are seeing already an 11% increase. So who knows if it'll stay the same or, you know, when the final numbers come in in May, you know, what, what that's going to be. But yes, we are expecting. I wonder how many people, you know, pay the deposit and then don't end up coming to Rutgers. Probably a smaller, a smaller percent of that, because I mean, when you pay the deposit, I mean, you are putting down money, so... Especially now. Yeah, especially in these times. I mean, people probably really think about it before they put down their deposit. Wow, so an 11% increase in the number of freshmen on campus, that's that's a pretty good number of people. Double digits, so... Yeah, we'll have to see what kind of effect that will have on campus. I mean, one of the things that was discussed at President McCormick's annual address back in September, people were concerned about the greater numbers of students and how that was affecting... Right. Things like class sizes, class availability, crowding on the buses. You're right. I think a lot of people are concerned, especially with housing, and the buses are usually the biggest concern. I mean, and back in 2008, there were students living in hotels. I don't think anyone wants to go back to that, but hopefully the university can figure something out. I'm sure they wouldn't accept too many students that they couldn't place, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I do recall President McCormick saying, you know, someone suggested that he might be trying to increase enrollment in order to increase the university's money. The revenue, right. Well, I mean, that that is part of it. And um, I, I recall him saying, we're not going to enroll our way out of this financial crisis. So. No, I mean, that's true, too. It's not going to make up everything that the state cut in over the past years, but it will help in certain ways bring in more revenue. I do know that the university is increasing the amount of international and out-of-state students, which, you know, they pay a higher tuition, a significantly higher tuition. I mean, in the past, or the past three years, I think out-of-state students only composed maybe 8 9%. It was mostly Rutgers students, and now that number is, you know, creeping toward 11 12%. And even though it is a small percentage, it does help bring in more revenue for the, for the university, so... Yeah, and if it comes from an overall increase in enrollment, then it means that there's still as many spaces for New Jersey students. Right. Yeah, so you, you spoke about, you know, no one wants to go back to living in the hotels, but maybe this Friday, if you lived on campus, you might have wanted to be going back home to a hotel. Last Friday was Rutgers Fest, and I guess, I guess once again, it was a historic Rutgers Fest. What happened last Friday? Well... At the concert itself, there and there were about 30,000 attendees or something like that on the Bush campus. Who were the performers? Yellow, Yellow Wolf, Pitbull, 303, and that was the concert. You know, Rupa hired more security guards to man the stage. They kicked out about 90 people out of the entire crowd, which isn't out of a crowd of like tens of thousands of people. If you think about it, 90 really isn't that much. So that was the concert, but where a lot of the concern for safety grew was after the concert. If anyone was around College Ave or lived on College Ave, there were four shootings, many arrests, injuries, fights, robberies, you name it. It pretty much happened. And even if you weren't, you know, involved in the thick of it, the traffic on Route 18 and mm-hmm. on Easton Avenue coming right. into the city, it was like rush hour traffic mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock at night, at midnight, right. after midnight. It there, was crazy. And there are YouTube videos um, with people, you know, going to Rutgers Fest 2011 on the NJ Transit trains, and they are just swarmed with people partying and drinking on the trains. So if you want to look, you should go on YouTube. Just actually YouTube Rutgers Fest 2011, and you'll see some really interesting 
things. And you'll probably be reminded that if you're doing something stupid, you shouldn't put it on the internet. Yes, this is the new age that we're living in. It's not safe. No. Someday you're going to be applying for a job. Somebody's going to see that. Yep. So I guess we kind of have to wonder what, like I've been wondering what is going to happen with Rutgers Fest. Some people have been calling for it to be canceled. And Rupa has said that, you know, it's, it's a Rutgers tradition. It should be continued. Right. I mean, it was begun as a celebration for Rutgers students at the end of the semester. But, I mean, as you could tell by the traffic coming into New Brunswick, most of the people who were involved in, in let's say, the post-Rutgers Fest events were people from out of town. And I've been told that many of the people on College Avenue, the evening of Rutgers Fest, were also underage. Right. So at what point does it stop being an event that is for Rutgers students and starts being something completely different right well the event has definitely changed especially in the past two years when there has been nicer weather you know not that we should plan Rutgers Fest on a day when it rains I mean no one wants that but who knows maybe since the event has changed maybe now the university needs to look at different ways to manage it and to host it if they do want to keep this tradition so I think that remains to be seen next year will be interesting to see what happens so we've been talking about what's been going on around Rutgers with the editor of the Daily Targum here at Rutgers, Mary Duke. And if you'd like to find out more about these stories, you can look at them online on the Daily Targum. www.dailytargum.com You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. This is Neuropocalypse with DJ Calamari, bringing you the latest in comic and video gaming news. Today's top story is a big one. Brace yourselves, gamers. This June, Nintendo will be unveiling a new console at E3 in Los Angeles. The console, codenamed Project Cafe, is set to be significantly more powerful than the PlayStation 3 or the Xbox 360. It is also set to be completely backwards compatible with the Wii and will use a completely new controller with a built-in 6-inch touchscreen that can stream games from the console. It is set to be released in 2012 and will likely be the frontrunner for a whole new generation of systems. Next up, lucky fans of Thor got to witness the world premiere of the film on April 17th at Event Cinema's George Street in Sydney, Australia. IGN, in classic style, had a full review up the day of. They gave the film a 3.5 out of 5 stars, praising its drama, visual effects, and the intensity of its scenes. However, the movie is not viewed as a game changer and still has its typical flaws. The movie will get a more worldwide release in the coming months. Finally, DC is trying to get all they can out of the Green Lantern with a game set to be released with the movie. A trailer for the game, titled Green Lantern Rise of the Manhunters, contains extensive in-game play footage of Ryan Reynolds as a Green Lantern, along with some intense action scenes as the game takes place on the Green Lantern homeworld. It is set to be released on June 7th for all systems. This has been Nerpocalypse DJ Calamari. Stay tuned for some more great core radio. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting, of course, at thecore.fm. And if there's one thing we love here at 90.3 The Core, it's music. Here to tell us what is going on in new music, it's Justin Magic. Despite the rumors, Radiohead have announced that there will not be a sequel to their King of Limbs album. Radiohead guitarist Ed O'Brien said that while there are new songs that they plan on playing in concert, they don't have plans to put them on a CD anytime soon. Rap collective Odd Future Wolfgang and Kill Them All have announced an East Coast tour. Starting on May 12th in Boston, the short tour will finish up on the 20th in Philadelphia. Another Odd Future news, missing member Earl Sweatshirt has been located by Complex Magazine. Earl Sweatshirt, who has been missing from the collective for many months now following a mysterious disappearance, has been located in a troubled youth institution in Samoa. 
According to the investigation, his mother sent him there due to his bad behavior and her displeasure with his rap lyrics. It is unknown when he will be released from this institution, but when he does, he is set to join Odd Future once again. Due to a delay in visa processing, Scottish post-rock band Mogwai will have to delay part of their North American tour. Shows scheduled for Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York, and Boston will have to be rescheduled for later in the year. The first show on the North American tour will now take place in Montreal, Quebec. More artists have been lined up for this year's Pitchfork Festival in Chicago from July 15th to the 17th. New artists announced include DJ Shadow, Thurston Moore, Battles, Toro Imois, and Superchunk. They joined previously announced bands including Animal Collective, Fleet Foxes, Cut Copy, and TV on the Radio. Green Day's album American Idiot, once turned into a Broadway production, is now looking to be set up as a movie production. The movie is still in an early form, although director of the play, Michael Mayer, is set up to also direct the movie version. The screenplay for American Idiot is set to be written by Dustin Lance Black, who won an Oscar for his screenwriting for the film Milk. Early rumors also have Tom Hanks being involved in the production. Frontman Billy Joe Armstrong will, of course, take over the role of St. Jimmy for the movie. And now for your 90.3 The Core charts for the week of April 12th. At number 10 was Rise Against with Endgame. Number 9 was Hunks and His Punks with Too Young to Be in Love. Number 8 was Unlearned by Fergus and Geronimo. Number 7 was The Head and the Hearts self-titled album. 6 was The Joy Formidable with their album, The Big Roar. 5 was Yell with Safari Disco Club. Four was the self-titled album from Yuck. Three was Likey Lee with her album Wounded Rhymes. Two was the Will Do single from TV on the Radio. And number one was Angles from The Strokes. With your 90.3 The Core Music News, this has been Justin Matchick. That's all for this week's edition of The Core News. We will be back next Monday at 7 p.m. right here on 90.3 The Core. Or you can catch our podcast anytime online at thecore.fm. If you're hanging around on College Ave this week, don't forget it's Tent State. You can stop by the Core Tent, say hi to some of your favorite Core DJs. If you're wondering what's going on at Tent State, because there's usually quite a bit going on, you can listen to The Core for updates on what's happening each day that 10 State is in progress. If you'd like to contact the Core News, suggest a news story, ask a question, just say hi. Well, then you can email us at news at thecore.fm. The Core News has been brought to you by Amy Bronstein, Nana, Sarah Morrison, DJ Calamari, Justin Matchick, Stephen Yannick, and Mindy Hoffman. You've been listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core. Don't forget to wish DJ co-host a happy birthday tomorrow. Stay tuned, because Sounds Inflicted is coming up at 8.00.